Oh, shoot. Man, it's good to have y'all this morning. I'm excited about the message this morning. Uh, reviewed it last night, went through a couple of things. Um, before we jump in, let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you, Lord, uh, as we teach today. Father, I just pray that uh, your word will be heard. Father, that your peace that surpasses all understanding will be upon our hearts because that's what the message is today. Father, I thank you that the Apostle Paul, as he wrote this letter, Lord, he was imprisoned in Rome for his first imprisonment. And Lord, he speaks of having peace. Regardless of circumstance, situation, his peace is found in you. And I pray that's where ours will be found this very day, this very moment, hour, an hour of our life. So Lord, take this now and make it yours in Jesus' name. Amen. So it's been a couple of weeks, and I want to thank Jr. Uh, where is Jr.? Okay, never mind. We'll talk about him then. But I want to thank thank Jr. for uh, visit uh, for coming in and teaching last week, and uh, just appreciate him so much. And this week we're going to pick back up in the book of Colossians. So if you have your Bibles, open them up to Colossians. And we will start there with Colossians 3, 1. But before we do, I'll just kind of catch everyone up. Remember now, Epaphras is the pastor of this church. He, Epaphras is, has gone to Paul. Paul is imprisoned at Rome. And um, this is his first imprisonment. Of course, he'll be imprisoned again and eventually lose his head there. But uh, Epaphras is the, is the pastor here. And there's a couple of problems in this church. <clears throat> People are beginning to pull the vision apart. For the church, it's not like you guys have ever seen that if you've lived long enough, right? There's a couple of different visions, and so they're bringing their own visions, their personal agendas into the church and trying to take the church their way. And one of this particular groups that, that, that is, is doing this, they're known as the Gnostics. And the Gnostics basically believe this, that the spirit man is good, all right, but the physical flesh is bad. And so they separated that. In today's terminology, we would call that dualism. It's a dualistic theology. And, and what they believed was that we could live any way we want to live. If we want to visit a temple prostitute, we can visit a temple prostitute because ultimately sin is in the members of the body, if you will, in the, in the flesh of the body, right? Paul even kind of addresses that in the book of Romans. And so what the body does doesn't matter. Now, there's no way that, of course, today I would allow that in our camp because uh, there's no walking towards holiness. There's no sanctification in that thought. There's an excuse for sin, all right? So it, it, it brings about licentiousness. It's similar to, and, and if this offends you, um, you'll be okay. Just go through it with me, all right? But it's similar to the once saved, always saved. Now, I believe you ought to have an assurance of your salvation by all means. But that assurance of salvation should lead us on through a sanctification process on towards holiness, a place of holiness, because God is holy. And so uh, rather than looking for an excuse for sin, we should be looking to God to overcome sin in our life. And so when I say that, that uh, once saved, always saved, are you always saved once you're saved? Well, then the question uh, begs, um, who's saved? Well, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. You know, Romans 10, 9, we tend to get into that camp. Now, here's the thing. You're not wrong to think once saved, always saved. You're wrong to think that it provides you a way for licentiousness. I believe you ought to be assured. John Wesley even said you ought to be assured of your salvation. You should. Because if you're always trying to make the team instead of realizing you are part of the team, you'll never focus on your position 
on the team, see. And so, so we do need to be assured. So it's okay. I, I, I just think sometimes we, we've said that because it's an easy little slogan that we throw around. Oh, if you're Baptist, you're once saved, always saved. It's a slogan. And we have to be careful with our slogans because they're not full of total truth. They can lead us to, to uh, areas in our life that are not healthy, areas in our faith that are not healthy. So in some ways, this, this were, these were the Gnostics. And then, of course, the Judaizers believed that there were certain laws that you, needed in, that you needed to keep in order to be righteous. So they had been taught, and you have to think about their historical emphasis, because they had been taught from ancestry to ancestry to ancestry, from generation to generation to generation, that you had to live, you had to walk, you had to sacrifice a certain way. And so that's, that's what they knew. So as they come into a Christian faith, by, not by, by their works are they saved, but now all of a sudden, or that they're righteous, the Apostle Paul talks about this, that not only do you get the free gift of salvation, but you get the free gift of what? Righteousness. Well, that, that threw a huge kink in who they were. Because they believed you had to work, you had to earn your righteousness. And so Paul's addressing both of these camps. The Judaizers believed that there were certain laws that if you didn't keep them, you would never become righteous. So today this crowd would say this, you must work hard to please God and stay in right relationship with Him. So remember, partial truths. There's partial truths in each one of these camps. But with partial truths come what? Partial lies. <laughs> partialized men would y'all wake up okay we'll see how you do through this because this is this is good stuff right here uh, matter of fact colossians ephesians and i believe first thessalonians or maybe just thessalonians in total um, were written we believe at the same time here and those are powerful books about being in christ and we're going to talk about here in just a minute now let me just create some tension with you in matthew chapter 7 verse 22 and 23 jesus says this about camps Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles and then I will declare, from, declare to them, depart from me, I never knew you. Now, that's an interesting statement from Jesus because basically what these guys are saying is we were in your camp and Jesus says this, depart from me for I never knew you. He doesn't say that you never knew me. He said I never knew you. Now, man, that, that tells me something, that uh, some people tried and didn't make it, or some people are trying and not going to make it. There has to be a way that, that we find ourselves where Christ has us, where not only He knows us, but of course, we know Him. None of us want to miss it. At times, I'm sure we, we feel we are. Sometimes our fear, our sense of lack, they get in the way of our belief, we tend to to uh, go one way or the other, we fall into these different camps and we think we're drawing near to him when possibly we could be drawing further apart. And this was the problem with Paul. Paul was saying, hey, listen, guys, I love you and, and, and I want you to know the truth. Don't fall into one of these ditch, ditches. We want peace, but the only place that you can find peace is in Christ. Not in camps, but in Christ. So chapter 3 is going to deal more with the early Gnostics, these who believe they can, the, the, the spirit man's good, the flesh is bad, right? And it's, it's this form of dualism that's getting them into trouble, and he's about to address this. So in Colossians 3, starting here with verse 1, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Now does this sound familiar to any of you? 
If you've read the book of Ephesians, now I have just dissected Ephesians in my life. Uh, every Bible I have, I've dissected because there's some things said in Ephesians that we'll be bringing up here in a, uh, a future sermon series. But, but, but this is written about the same time. And remember, we are seated where? In Christ, right? In heavenly places. And so basically this is what he's saying. Look, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. So the moment, the moment you were born again, your vantage point should have changed. And now you must renew your mind and begin to see life from a new view. Verse 3, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So this is, this is what's cool. He's saying, hey, your life is hidden in Christ. So when Christ appears, you appear. All right, you guys are. Where's Kate? Caleb. I don't have this in my message, but we're just going to take a break here because I think. Kate, would you go give me an envelope? Anybody got a dollar? Nobody carries cash anymore. What? Yeah, I just need a dollar. That's just okay. Tom, thank you, sir. Thank you. Yeah. Y'all know who's on the front of a dollar bill? Is that George? George Washington. Who's on a $5 bill? Who's on a $10 bill? Oh, Jackson or Hamilton. Okay, I'm just testing you. Are you awake now? Let me see if he can find. Uh, anyone got a lighter? That would even make it better. Oh, somebody in this place smokes. Come on, we're men. I mean, I'm not saying you should smoke. All right, I'm just saying. We don't thank you, Caleb. We don't have a lighter. Oh, good, good. I'm so glad. This, 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 just, uh, this just came to me. This is a dollar. It's federal property. <laughs> and the dollar is where? It's in the envelope. Now, if I were to take this lighter and I were to do this, when we get our new building, of course, we won't be able to do this because the uh, sprinklers will go off and we can do all, whatever we want right now. Lord, Lord, will this work? This could get bad. <laughs> it's okay. It's all right, Brett. Everything. Wait, wait. Got to go this way. Now, let's make sure we don't start a fire. Okay. So, you guys will never forget this illustration, and neither will I. All right, Caleb, would you run this outside before it sets something off in here? Quickly, just set it out there in the rocks. would be great. <clears throat> There's a little dollar left, but it wasn't supposed to be. Who gave me that dollar? Oh, Tom. Um, Tom. <laughs> well, here's the thing. The point I was trying to make and illustrate before it went bad on us, and make sure it didn't get worse than what I thought, is the dollar was found where? In the envelope. And, and here's the thing. So the dollar went the way of the envelope. So if the envelope burns, the dollar went the way of the envelope because 
The dollar bill is in the envelope. It's the same thing. This is what the Apostle Paul is trying to say to each one of us. He's, he's trying to say, hey, you are in Christ and you go the way of Christ. When Christ appears, you too appear with him in glory. Because not only is Christ in you, but more importantly, we're where? We're in him. We're in him. And so death is no longer at our doorstep. And, and this is where he goes with verse 5. If you look at this, he says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Those things your earthly nature is put to death because now you are found in Christ. So put to death your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these. So he's, he's speaking to who? The Gnostics, because the Gnostics are involved in all the worldly things, but they're saying this, but my spirit man is good. No, you are in Christ. And that means you as, as a person in the physical are also found in Christ. So he's saying, put those things away. You used to walk in these things in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these. A anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Uh-oh, men, this is a man's message. Sometimes that language can come up. I know what it is. I know anger and rage and, and all of those, those emotional things can come up. And he's saying, hey, it's not okay. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. See, so in other words, we need to grow up. This behavior, it sounds childish, really, and should sound childish to us. I mean, men who go around in our gossips, that's childish. One of the epidemics today are young or old people who are simply unwilling to grow up. And the Apostle Paul is saying, look, you will stay immature all your life if you simply believe that your spirit man is good and it doesn't matter what happens with your flesh. You will never be a witness for the kingdom of God. And you've got to remember that not only is Christ in you, but more importantly, you're in Christ. You are his witness. You, when you appear, watch, Christ should appear. And so this is a very deep unpacking of, of really who we are in Christ Jesus. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Now he's saying, look, this is who Christ is in you, and this is who you are in Christ. You are to be holy, dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. All of those are descriptors of Christ himself. So you put off the things of the flesh, you put on the things of Christ. Bear with each other. And sometimes that's hard to do. Sometimes it's hard to bear with one another, right? It's just tough. But he's saying, look, this is a witness. This is who you are in Christ. Learn to forgive one another. And if any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. 
So where he's going with this is he's saying, hey, look, and, and here's what you get when you put these things on. When you go the way of Christ, when you find yourself in Christ and you put these on, this is what happens. The peace of God will rule your heart. Now, if I were to ask the question today, how many of us are found in peace? Um, probably in, in your marriage, many of you would say, yeah, we have a peaceful, we have a great marriage. I still can't believe I did that. Sitting up here on stage looking at that, thinking, man, that could have gone really bad. But um, when we think about this, we, we have to see what Paul's saying. He's saying, hey, you guys, you've come to Christ, you Gnostics, you guys with this dualistic theology, you've come to Christ, but, but here's the deal. You don't have peace. And because you don't have peace um, and, and, and you're trying to, to just do whatever you want to do and believe that your spirit man is good instead of walking towards holiness or putting on holiness and those types of things, uh, you're not a good witness for Christ. And you do not have peace in your life. You don't have peace in your life. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace, is what he says. Members of one body. Whose body is that? That's Christ. We are the body of Christ and then he says and be thankful there's a couple of things that he really downloads right here in verse 15 the peace of Christ and he tells us how to do that the peace of Christ needs to rule in your heart and look uh, when the peace of Christ rules in your heart it's very simple to be it's very easy to be thankful because you begin to see Christ in everything regardless of your circumstance regardless of your situation see Paul here is imprisoned in Rome and what's he telling the men over at Colossae to, to be He's saying, y'all be thankful. It's a good thing. Whether free, whether slave, whether Jew, whether Scythian, any of these things. Look, here's, here's the bottom line. We all want to have peace in our life, and we all want to learn to be <coughs> thankful. Be grateful, because as, as Christ gives you that peace, you can, be, you can be peaceful in any and every situation. What would it look like if all believers allowed the peace of Christ to rule our hearts? See, it would look like the bride of Christ is what it would look like. And how can it happen? He gives us ways that, that this happens. But of course, the most important thing we can do first, as a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul, if you read Ephesians 1 and 2, what you'll find is he does not start with the church at Ephesus and say, do, 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 do these things, put off, put on. That's not what he's doing in Ephesians chapter 1 and 2. What he's doing is he's making a case for Christ and he's saying, you're in Christ and these are all the things that Christ has done for you. Before you've ever done anything, Christ has already done this for you. You know, we have an advantage. As a matter of fact, we have a different vantage point and should always have a different vantage point, men. And, and the way it looks as you've got two different thoughts in this church, and, and we've talked about them enough, but you've got the legalist over here who grew up with Jewish roots or they're Jews as, as, as they were, and, and they came into Christ. Now, here's the thing. Jews were, were always looking, they were always on this side of the cross, and they were always looking ahead to the redemption of the world. Think about this with me. But we as Christians are on this side of the cross, and we're able to look back and say we've been reconciled. So they were always looking ahead, if you will, to the promised land, and even when they received the promised land, they were not responsible with the promised land. They were not responsible with their faith. And so now these Jews are still trying to look ahead and said, well, yeah, I, I get that Christ paid the price, but, but here's the problem with that. Surely we've got to work. We've got to do something. 
right? Because it's still out here in front. And the Apostle Paul is, is trying to say, no, look, it's been done. Now what you have to do is believe that not only are you in him, but he is in you. And you go the way of Christ. And so in verse 16, he jumps in here, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing to God with gratitude in your hearts. This is interesting because he says, teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms. Now, what are psalms? Am I just supposed to... Good songs, yeah. The written songs, written poetry. And so sometimes we'll read this and we become the legalist, right? So I'm, I'm going to greet Ed, you know, with, um, Hey, Ed, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. How are you today? <laughs> See, uh, uh, that's not necessarily what he's saying. What he's saying is, look, the, the Word of God needs to be so written on our heart that it comes and is expressed through us. Christ in us should be expressed through us. And so psalms, hymns, uh, I love hymns. And, and as a matter of fact, sometimes uh, I have to speak to our worship leader about including, you know, one or two of those. And she reminds me she doesn't work for me. But anyway, um, <laughs> she works for Brett. <laughs> So, so what we do is, is uh, he's saying, hey, look, th these are things that are out there to help us men, to help us remember who we are. Even though, I like to say it this way, praise and worship and leading a life of praise and worship is, is what God has called us to live. Now, in living our lives that way, <clears throat> sometimes we'll use other people's words right, not our own words, to express our love, our joy, our commitment to Christ. And that's okay. We do that every Sunday morning when we put words up here. You're using someone else's words to express who Christ is in your life. And this is what he's saying. He's saying, hey, you know, um, when, when Christ dwells in you, uh, think on these things. Think, it's okay to think of, of Miriam's song, right, her song of deliverance that, that she wrote. That's okay. Write those words on your heart. Let those be expressed through you into others. And songs from the Spirit, in many ways, this is your personal song. Songs from the Spirit. Sing to God with gratitude in your hearts. If you want to walk this out, the easiest way to walk it out is to remember that you are in Christ and Christ is in you. And let the peace of Christ rule your heart. Let Him have all of you is what He's saying. Hey, there's some of you that that uh, you Gnostics that don't let him have all of you. Don't believe he can be Lord over your flesh as well as Lord over your spirit. So he's trying to bring them into this. Verse 17, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So whatever you do, learn to give thanks. Learn to give thanks in the name of the Lord Jesus. Because here's what happens when you start giving thanks in Christ, uh, what you'll notice, and I've actually uh, taken a week or two just to experiment with this. Can I be thankful for everything? Even when my kids bring home a bad grade, can I be thankful? Can I be thankful when I have different expectations of my wife? Can I still let the peace of God rule my heart? That's a choice. 
And I've learned that it's a choice. Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when I put Jesus' name to everything and be thankful for it, I learn to be thankful for a lot more things. That's what happens. You start doing things in the name of Jesus, you start paying attention to what you do. <laughs> if you're going to carry his name, if you're going to be in Christ and he's going to be in you, and you start using the name of Jesus, then guess what? In some ways, that just holds us accountable to who we are, just who we are. Verse 16, let the message of Christ dwell among you. He is looking for the message of Christ to dwell among the church. If, if the message were to dwell anywhere, it should be found in his bride, and that is us. So put off religion, put on Christ, behold him, learn to influence your heart. And, and this is basically what he's saying. When he talks about psalms, hymns, songs, and gratitude, all those things, that's just a way of influencing your heart, meditating on those things. And in everything you do, learn to give thanks in Christ. And I will tell you, men, that will bring peace in your life. Those are the things, and, and this is where Paul's trying to take this church.